As a child, I loved the Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner cartoons. Wiley's e. dogged quest to catch a roadrunner was a source of delight and merriment for my brothers and me. What crazy idea would he come up with next? Would it work? If it did work, how was the roadrunner going to end up winning out after all? How tragic would the result of the failure be for poor Wiley? All the answers were invariably a source of hilarity for us. Looking back now, I wonder what kept Wiley going. Failure followed failure, but he never gave it up. He was obviously a clever fellow. Why didn't he try a different line of work? But morning after morning, he got up and beat his head against the same wall with the same result. He was locked into a conflict that he could not win and with no way to extricate himself. How often do we find ourselves in a similar situation? The effect of grudges and resentments, old grievances and tit-for-tat retributions is very similar, with no way to win, but usually an inability to simply walk away either. And today, into this stalemated battlefield where there are only losers, comes the strange, hairy figure of John the Baptist who proclaims, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is he talking about? Heaven? How does sitting on a cloud with a harp change anything? Thank you, but no thank you. While it is true that the kingdom of heaven may not seem to help escape these dynamics, if we think of sitting on a cloud with a harp, we should recall instead that all creation speaks to us of the greatness of the Creator. Any beauty we have ever encountered is only a veiled and partial vision of beauty himself. Whatever intimacy and true friendship we have known is only an intimation of what it will be to stand in the presence of truth himself. Any love we have given or received will find its full realization in him who is love. There we shall know him fully, as we are fully known. St. John Henry Newman says this is the one desire that should move us, that of seeing God face to face. But he extends this knowing to others, so that we also have the promise of enjoying eternal and direct communion in and through Christ Jesus with our friends around us, whom at present we know only through the medium of sense, by precarious and partial channels. It is an appealing vision. But what if we were to extend this line of thought even to our enemies? What will it be like not only to have perfect communion with God, not just with those we already love, but with all men, even those we may now hate? All misunderstandings, conflicts, insults, and grievances wiped away so that we see others as God sees them, all creation transfigured in divine light. This communion with God and each other is God's will for us. This is the kingdom of heaven. All this is promised, 
not only later, but now, even if only partially, in signs and shadows. It is not something we can create ourselves or impose on others. What each of us can do is give heed to the proclamation of St. John the Baptist and go out to the desert, confessing our sins. Together we can go out to the desert in pursuit of the kingdom of heaven, searching for the coming one whose radiance will burst forth from the Christmas manger, in whose light we will find our way out of the grudges and other conflicts that entrap us. Where is this desert? You are already there. We entered the desert when we were baptized into the church. We are constantly being trained in this exodus, this search, in that luminous discovery of communion with God and all men by the Eucharist we celebrate here. We come confessing our sins so that we may learn how to be forgiven, and from that knowledge to begin to forgive others. It is a slow process of transformation, so that we must be patient with each other, and especially with ourselves, as we discover our deep resistance to conversion. But here, a foretaste of that future blessedness is bestowed upon us as we are built into the holy city, the new Jerusalem, living the life of the kingdom of heaven. <laughs>